Hello, Editing Marin here, coming at you with a little bit of information about the episode you are about to listen to. Um, so just so you know, in this episode, we're going to be discussing some terms and conditions, just kidding, um, of about gender. So terms like trans, terms like non-binary, terms like gender non-conforming. Um, and not everything that we're going to be dissecting might resonate with everybody. Um, that's the thing about gender. It's so big and expansive and everybody has a different experience of it. So um, some of the things we say may resonate with you. Some of them may not. That's all okay. Super cool. If they do, awesome. If they don't, let us know why not. Um, we're open to hearing all of your experiences. We hope you're open to hearing what we are saying. Um, and yeah, let's have a chat about gender and your way as we love to do and are want to do. Additionally, um, we will be chatting a lot about all of your amazing asks that we have been receiving in the past month or so in this episode. That'll be in the latter half of the episode. So if you're looking for us to respond to an ask, chat about something like that, that'll be there. Um, and also we will be just like gossiping a little bit. By gossiping, I mean we are responding to an ask about um, some folks talking about quote-unquote barricade brigade stuff, and we address that as well in the latter half of this episode. So if you want to hear us gossip and if you want to hear us talk about all of your wonderful thoughts, um, that'll be there. So either listen to there or you can fast forward over us talking about Judith Butler and just get to get right to the the good stuff if you like. Um, thanks so much for listening. Um, let's get into it. Let's get dirty. Here we go. two of us. My name's Marin. My name's EJ. We're joining you. Yeah. And you're joining us. Uh-huh. From inside gender itself. Oh, we're in it. We're in it. We made it. We broke in. We broke We got in. <laughs> we weren't in before. They didn't let us in before. No, but now we're inside of it. Now we're inside. And we're going to show you guys how to get here. Yeah, we're going to show you how to, we're gonna show you how to get in. We're going to give you guys the keys to gender. Yeah. Like a cool older sibling. <laughs> or we'll just break the window and you can like sneak and you can in through sneak the sneak side. And you can sneak in too. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. cool, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, you also should know, hey, you're listening to the number two most popular MCR podcast on Spotify. How did that happen? How did that happen to us? <laughs> How did that literally happen to us? This is based on reviews and stuff like that. But yeah. You guys really review the shit out of us, which is amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's really cool. It's really cool. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Hey, thanks for we're listening. Thanks right for away. Reviewing. That's so cool of you yeah. to do. <laughs> so come with us um, on a journey into gender. Um, I feel like David Attenborough. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is really like a David Attenborough take on, on gender today, is what we're going to we're, we're gonna do. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Great. I'm doing quite well. What have we been up to in the we time did. since we've been away? A lot. We went to Austin, Texas. Oh, we haven't recorded since then. No. We were in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. We're South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. We saw so much live music. We saw Soul Glow twice. Excellent band. We fell in love with a Squala grind. We fell, okay. We fell hard. Hold on. Here's the thing. If you like uh, gay and trans people, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. You probably do. And if you like heavy music, 
listen to a squalo grind. Yeah. Holy shit. They are from Massachusetts, so close to us as, as Northeast boys now. Yeah. We're a Northeast boy now. Yeah. Yeah. So They're cool. a guitarist. Wow. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have huge crushes on all of them. Yeah. Um, if you like non-binary people and trans people, if you're an ally. Yeah. If you're an ally, listen to a squalo grind. If you're not a real ally, if you don't <laughs> if listen you to a squalo <laughs> Literally, if you're trans or you're an ally. Anyway, wow. What yeah. a plug right yeah. off the bat. Um, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by a squalo grind. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we had so much fun in Austin. And what else have we done? We saw Mulchat Doma last night. We saw Mulchat Doma. That was really cool. That was like just being at the biggest golf club in Boston, mm-hmm. Massachusetts for one night. It was wonderful. It was really great. I love to bop around with my friends. So we need more golf clubs is what we got we from that. absolutely do. Like why is there not like just funky, crusty synths all the time? So yeah. we've been doing all this stuff. We've been all I fucked up my back. Yeah. Because I just like bent over oh, too hard. Yeah. Because hey, the thing about being, being 25, I guess. Once you enter the latter half of your 20s, Jesus. say goodbye to your spine. <laughs> it's gone! <laughs> It's it gone. Is. I'm joining you today with a hot water bottle actively on my back. Mm-hmm. So, so, why are we making this episode? Hey, great question. Yeah. This episode <laughs> is about gender. And you may be asking, aren't all of the episodes about gender? They are. They are. However, <laughs> um, in this episode, we really wanted to kind of do gender 101. We did. We wanted to teach a little gender studies class. Why do we want to do that? We've been online. And we've seen some takes. We've just seen some takes we've from well-meaning some... folks. Yes. Yeah. Well-meaning folks who don't seem to have the same understanding of gender and gender theory. Yeah. And we think that by going through some of that gender theory, maybe we can all get on the same page a little bit more. We're coming into the Gerard Gender Wars. We're both wearing suits. Mm-hmm. We have folders. And flamethrowers. And flamethrowers. We're opening the folders. We're reading you some mm-hmm. some stuff. Some legal briefs. Some legal briefs. Yeah. And then we're setting them on fire. Yes. Is the plan for mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. There's just been a fun new next wave of the Gerard Gender discourse mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. in the past month or so. Yes. During the Japan-Australia tour yes. dates specifically. And people getting really upset about them. Mm-hmm. And What are people getting upset about specifically? People are getting upset about often queer or trans folks referring to Gerard with she, her pronouns. Mm-hmm calling Gerard a girl, mm-hmm. getting excited about Gerard wearing skirts, mm-hmm. getting excited about Gerard calling himself a girl, among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and proceeding to say, please do not assign any labels to this person who doesn't want labels to assign to them. Mm-hmm. Not a bad instinct, mm-hmm. but often I think we feel misguided and maybe directed at the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Or it's just more complicated than that, right? Yeah. These people are not assigning labels that you might think that they are assigning them. You are also not being like God's goodest ally mm-hmm. by yelling at queer and trans people to not do that. Exactly. So it's just more complicated. And we just exactly. want to get into that a little yeah. bit. Yes. A word that I see thrown around a lot uh-huh. on the old internet these days yeah. is discourse. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think a lot of people actually understand what that means. Right. So in a, at a Merriam-Webster level, discourse is a conversation, yeah. right? But at a Michel Foucault level, which I think is the level that we're <laughs> having a conversation at. Discourse... Listeners, we're talking about Michel Foucault. He's in the room. He's in the room. He's in the room. Welcome. Discourse is about like shaping the terms for conversation and politics yeah. through a conversation, right? So when we have those kinds of debates about can you she her Gerard? Yeah. Is Gerard way trans? 
That's discourse. Yeah. The bad take yeah. is not discourse. Right. Your response to the bad take is, in fact, the discourse. Totally. So, um, we're also participating in the discourse. We are. And we'd like to kind of wrangle it <laughs> yeah. uh, into a, uh, a more nuanced uh, corral. Yeah, by, like, talking about, like, gender theory 101 and, like, what some gender theorists have written about gender that, like, Gerard is doing mm -hmm. and that we can see with our eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. So I guess let's do that. So I guess let's do that. Yeah. So I guess first let's just talk about Gerard's history of gender. Mm -hmm. Should we just do that? Mm -hmm. Everybody knows these things, but it's good to remind people of yes. them. Because people do love to forget them selectively. Yes. Gerard said in that Boisine, mm -hmm. I believe is the citation I'm looking for, mm -hmm. that they were had, had been referred to as a girl yeah. a lot, such that they started to feel like a girl. Right. Or identify with girls. I believe the word, yeah, right. I believe the word that they used was, I was a girl to a lot of people. I was a girl to a lot of people. So I kind of became a girl. Mm -hmm. Which is very interesting considering what we're going to be talking about today, about totally. doing and becoming things. Mm -hmm. um, and then they also say, when... When I found out what transgenderism was, mm -hmm. I started identifying with women and transgender people a lot. Yeah. So this is something that they've been talking about mm -hmm. for, whatever, a decade plus now, in terms of, like, their public life. Yeah. But it's been something they've been living with their entire life mm -hmm. um, and have been experiencing their entire life. We know this because they've talked about putting on makeup from their mom's bedroom. They've talked about... Um, wearing drag in public just kind of for fun to yeah. see if they can just pass to get as a girl. On the bus. Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. The he they tweet. The he they tweet. Yes. Correct. Gerard has said publicly I've always preferred he they pronouns. Mm -hmm. But you can use whatever for me is the, the second part tweet. Is the second mm -hmm. part of that tweet. Yep. You can use whatever I don't care. Yes. Right. Then also just Gerard has a long history of supporting trans rights publicly on stage, especially during the Hesitant Alien tour, did that a lot. And just aligning himself with you know, riot girl movements, we can reference all of these things as ways that Gerard has talked about his gender. Yeah. That oh, also there's the quote about how, like, MCR allowed him to be flamboyant. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. allowed him to, he felt a lot of freedom being on stage as he was able to express certain parts of his gender and personality that he wasn't mm -hmm. always able to express. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which we see in this tour, and we also see before this tour. Like, like way before. Right? People like to be like, this is only just happening now. It's like, no. N n no. no. Like, Gerard has been doing this. There have always, always. been feminine expressions, feminine right. that we can right. identify and say, hey, cool, I see that. Right. I see what you're doing. Yeah. I connect with what you're doing. Right. Welcome to the first day of, of Gender Studies 101. Hello, we're your gender studies teachers. We're your gender studies professors. We're experts in our field. <laughs> and we'd like to introduce you to some theorists. Yeah, we're doing gender all the time, baby. Mm, yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> um, so practicum, baby. the first thing under our on our document mm -hmm. is, what is a gender binary? Hey. <laughs> Where did it come from? Uh-huh. And what does it mean to be non-binary? Yes. We read an essay by Leslie Feinberg. Yeah called Transgender Liberation, of Movement Whose Time Has Come. I had not read this before. No, me either. It's quite cool. Leslie Feinberg, for those who don't know, is like an iconic butch lesbian activist. Mm -hmm. They wrote Stone Butch Blues. If you have not read their work, definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. So what are they saying here? Yeah, so they're doing a really cool overview of like a history of gender expression. Yeah. And it's very thorough like across time and culture, pointing out how in 
non-Western cultures, the gender binary or a system of gender did not look the same way that it looks today. Correct. In order to disprove the idea that there are two genders, right. and it's always been that way, right. this is the, 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 the truth is just those two. Yeah, just as a note there, indigenous activists in the United States talk about this a lot, about mm-hmm. how the gender binary is a colonizer's mindset, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it is a uniquely Western, white, colonial construct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Leslie Feinberg describes at a lot of different moments in history how different political institutions like the church and different governments have assumed power and assumed control over people by enforcing a gender binary. Yeah. By punishing gender deviance or whatever. Right. Where can Um, we see that? Where can we see that? Well, Joan of Arc. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Joan of Arc's a good one. Well, Joan of Arc. People who are, like, worshipping pagan gods. Right. um, The Dionysus stuff. It's a heresy to worship a man in a dress. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So this is really a case for, like, trans expression as a natural thing. Right. That's always been there. And that the idea that there is some other kind of nature is upheld by the virulent powers of white supremacy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's time for us to, like, bring Judy B into the room at all mm-hmm. a little bit. Let's just bring them in. Yeah. So Judith Butler. Ooh, Judith Butler. Yeah. Judith Butler has written Gender Trouble. Gender Trouble is like a staple Gender 101 text. Yes. Where they are referencing a lot of theorists before them who have written about gender and how gender is done and created or how it exists mm-hmm. and critiquing or sometimes taking pieces of those other theorists um, and writing their own theory for, like, what is happening. This is a staple text, so if yes. you haven't read it, go read it. It is a little bit difficult to read. It's extremely difficult to read. Yeah, I'll it's say tough. That. It's, it's tough. really tricky. So um, if that's hard for you, like, that's okay. There's yeah. also a lot of people who will summarize points about it online. Absolutely. I'm certain that there are many YouTube videos you can watch mm-hmm. where people explain yeah. um, what they're saying and put it into more understandable terms. Yes. Um, but what they're saying is very important. It is. I think the, the place where they start is with feminism as a movement. Yeah. And politically, um, what is feminism trying to accomplish? It's trying to uplift the status of women. Right. But what is a woman? What is a woman? What is a woman? How um, do you define a woman? Mm-hmm. And when feminism is a movement that has largely been led by upper-class white women, right. woman gets defined in some pretty patriarchal ways. Right. Right? And it leaves also, out other forms of gender expression. Okay, yeah. Here's a quote about that. Um, that I can read here and then we can kind of just, whatever, summarize a little. If one, quote-unquote, is a woman, that is surely not all one is. The term fails to be exhaustive, not because a pre-gendered, quote-unquote, person transcends the specific paraphernalia of its gender, but because gender is not always constituted coherently or consistently in different historical contexts, and because gender intersects with racial, class, ethnic, sexual, and regional modalities of discursively constituted identities. As a result, it becomes impossible to separate out gender from the political and cultural intersections in which it is invariably produced and maintained. Mm -hmm. So what that means is you cannot remove gender from your political and cultural viewpoints Mm -hmm. or where you sit in the political and cultural sphere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in line with that quote, I have the exact same quote (laughs) (laughs) right at the top of the page. Um, What they are saying pretty radically is that we as people, we as political subjects, do not exist before gender. Right. We, we do don't. not have an essential being before we come into gender. Right. There is nothing to write gender on top of. 
Yeah. Right? It is, there. there is no essential truth underneath that, Mm -hmm. which then they go on to make the point that sex, as opposed to gender, Right. we typically think about sex as you're either assigned male or female at birth, and then you can kind of do whatever you want with your gender. That's your expression, and people are transgender, but sex is kind of the truth underneath the interpretiveness of gender. This is the way that people love to talk about it. Yes. A lot. Because it's easy to talk about it that way. It's easy. I think transphobes love this argument because it's like there's an inherent truth. You can't argue with biology. Mm -hmm. Um, So transphobes love this. But trans people, I think, also will fall into this Mm -hmm. and will will think about it this way as like a sex versus gender binary, Mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it makes gender feel like a more liberated expression. Um, But the point that Butler is making is that sex just like gender, is socially constructed. Right. We'll talk about what a social construction is in a second, but sex is a, it's it's made to look as if it is an inherent truth. Right. To uphold gender as something that can be played with or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that essentialness is itself socially constructed. <laughs> when we say socially constructed, what do we say? What do we mean when we say socially constructed? Oh god. When we say something is socially constructed, we mean that it is constructed based on the society that we are living in. Uh-huh. Simply yeah. that. Yeah. It is not an inherent truth. Exactly. Pretty much nothing is an inherent truth. Mm-hmm. When we say race is socially constructed as well, we don't mean people don't experience racism, we don't mean that people aren't experienced being racialized mm-hmm. in different contexts, but we do mean that in other societies that have existed before ours, Race was not viewed the same way, necessarily. <laughs> These things are connected to morality and things and ethics and things like that in people's minds and become constructed. So now we live in a, a white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal society, yeah. but all of those things are constructed socially, mm-hmm. not inherently. And they have histories, right. I think is a really important point that they make here, is that all of these things happened in a particular way and are upheld through time in a particular way, but it doesn't have to be this way. It does not. It's specific to the events and the culture that has taken shape over time. Right. Yeah. Something they're saying, the heterosexualization of desire requires and institutes the production of discrete and asymmetrical oppositions between feminine and masculine, where these are understood as expressive attributes of male and female. The cultural matrix through which gender identity has become intelligible requires that certain kinds of identities cannot exist. That is, those in which gender does not follow from sex, and those in which the practices of desire do not follow from either sex or gender. So, what does this mean? (laughs) Heterosexuality and the construct of heterosexuality is essential to creating a gender binary. It's about who you want to fuck, kind of. Not only is it about, like, some fundamental part of your sex, but it is about how that part of your sex interacts with other people's opposite and asymmetrical sexes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's power and control behind that too, right? Like this is something that Michel Foucault writes a lot about Mm -hmm. in History of Sexuality, which is something that's kind of tacit in this entire text that Butler is responding to Foucault on Mm -hmm. a lot of different levels, where having control over reproduction gives you control over a population. Yeah. Right? And if you can mandate heterosexuality, yeah. then you can mandate you, you can mandate the terms on which a population is reproduced. So that's right. why it's important right. that heterosexuality becomes compulsory and maintained maintained by gender. Yeah. Right, as a social construct. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also pointing out here um the way femininity and masculinity are like encoded onto bodies to mean male and female. Yes. 
Yeah. They also talk in this about how, you know, butch femme identities, lesbian identities, um, where they are maybe using masculinity and femininity in opposition to each other are inherently different and radical compared to heterosexuality, even though this is still a relationship where masculinity and femininity is being used in opposition to one another. Mm -hmm. It is still a radical thing because Mm -hmm. there are perhaps different things being enacted, different whatever. The sex and the gender of it all is being muddled in a way that is not for heterosexuality and cisgenderedness or the creation of male slash female as a binary. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of what... Butler is saying later on about like parody and subversiveness. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and how the idea of like playing with a masculine and feminine attraction in the way of like rich right. femme identities can be subversive because it takes something existing seriously and then also yeah. iterates on top of it. Correct. Um, and I think that's what Butler sees as like effective subversiveness totally i think we should describe what they're trying to say with this essay like their you know their thesis kind of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to me the thesis of this is that gender is a doing correct it is not a thing that pre-exists doing right so what does that mean it means that it doesn't have to be this way (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't have to be this way and what else does that mean i mean i think we as trans people fall into this a lot too right where the easiest way for us to make ourselves palatable and understandable to cisgender people is to say, well, I've always been this way. This has always been something that is inherently inside of me. Yeah. And that's how we kind of think about gender, Mm -hmm. is that, like, you either unlock a thing that's been inside of you, that's been inside of you, that's existed inside of you, or if you are continuing to be the gender that you were assigned at birth, it's something you have always been. You inherently are this thing, Mm -hmm. right? What Judy B is saying is, you aren't that thing. You're mm-hmm. doing that thing constantly. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference there. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you are less valid as a, as a person in what you are doing, mm-hmm. but gender is a series of acts and actions. There is no gender identity behind the expressions of gender. That identity is performatively constructed by the very expressions that are said to be its results. Mm-hmm. So there isn't, as you were saying before, there's not a, an inherent self that you are before you have expressed your gender, right? Mm -hmm. The expressions that you're doing, the way you're expressing your gender, is your gender. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yeah. You're seeing it happening all the time. Mm -hmm. You are doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. When you are choosing what to put on, when you are interacting with other people in the world, when Mm -hmm. you are whatever, you are doing your gender. Mm -hmm. And I think the notion of choice is really interesting, too. Because I was reading some kind of response that Butler had had to, like, ways people historically misinterpret their text. Yeah, because people um, do a lot. Because people do a lot. Like, people read this as, I can wake up in the morning and put on my gender like I put on a jacket. Right. Right? I right. can put on any ja- any gender that I right. want. I can switch from day to day. Um, but repetition. It's repetition. Is really important. And also, so many of the choices that we make and yeah. the actions that we do... We do not create. Yeah, they're not framed as choices. They are put in front of us right. um, to choose from, but that choice is extremely constricted. Right. Um, and there are social punishments for making the wrong choice. Like a lot of them. A lot. Like a lot of them, like mm-hmm. you experience violence. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So it's not as free-flowing or easy to be 
creative with it right. um, as it might seem. Totally. Yeah. Um, there's a quote here which I think speaks exactly to that that people love to ignore. Um, but it says, to claim that gender is constructed is not to assert its illusoriness or artificiality. So it's not fake. <laughs> um, where those terms are understood to reside within a binary that counterposes the quote-unquote real and the quote-unquote authentic as oppositional. I think a big takeaway from that is that one way that people often misread this is that because gender is socially constructed, it is not real. It is not real, it doesn't matter. But it does. We right. know it is. Right. Um, because we see it in front of us every day, right? Mm -hmm. It does exist. It is real. It's just something that we've built. And, I mean, we'll talk about modernism later, I <laughs> guess. But, like, that's... Yeah, we're gonna, hey, we're going to talk about modernism right, in this one. Are you, ready to, are you ready to talk about post-modernism? Yeah. Did you expect this in your MCR podcast? Buckle up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Um, You're getting it. <laughs> but, like, this is prime post-modernism. It is. Is what we're, what we're describing because it's taking... It's breaking down the idea that culture is an iteration upon nature. Totally. Right? That nature is the real and culture is the constructed. No. It's right. all constructed. Right. Um, and it's all real. Right. Judith Butler loves to reference Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. Talks a lot about it, criticizes it, utilizes it. One thing that they say that they totally agree with and think is very true is, one is not born but rather becomes a woman. Woman itself is a term in process, a becoming, a constructing, that cannot rightfully be said to originate or to end. An ongoing discursive practice, it is open to intervention and resignification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're doing it all the time. You're doing it all the time. And you can make little changes. And you can change it. Yeah. Right. I think this is a bit of a diversion, but the way that this gets iterated upon, that it's open for intervention, is that we end up doing this for other identities as well. Yeah. Trans becomes something right. that has a compulsory expression to it. Right. Non-binary becomes something that has a compulsory say. expression to it. I was going to say, I think that... When we asked the question at the beginning of this, uh, before the beginning of this long spiel, where we said, what does it mean to be non-binary? I think that what has happened a lot on the internet in the last little bit is there's been, especially like, whatever, during the early stages of the pandemic, as people are like, kind of just only congregating online, is people start to assign certain things to like, being non-binary. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're non-binary, you do these things, and you look like this, and you do these other stuff, and like, this is exactly what you are. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and yeah, I, um, yeah. Actually, the term non-binary uh, exists for a reason because yeah. it is not binary. Yeah, right. You just made a new identity with rules. Right. Yeah. So I think sometimes, specifically in the context of like MCR, when people balk at like the idea that like Gerard is being called non-binary, it's because they are seeing non-binary as having terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And being regimented mm -hmm. in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So when they see the, the idea non-binary, they're like, well, it has to be Gerard isn't doing these things, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's like, that is not what we're saying. Right. We're saying is Gerard is existing outside of the binary, mm -hmm. which is true. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. It's true. I think that that's often why it's easier. People rarely react the same way to the term non-binary in these kinds of discourses as they do to the term gender non-conforming, mm -hmm. which are often used interchangeably. Yeah. Not always, yeah. but are often... In the same umbrella, they're in the same umbrella. Mm -hmm. We're hanging out together. Yeah. Non-binary people and gender non-conforming people are hanging out together. Mm -hmm. Right. And it just really is used to explain that there is you are doing something with your gender that does not reside within the terms that have been set for you or that you are expected to perform mm -hmm. to like a strict maleness or femaleness, right? Quote unquote maleness or femaleness. 
And you can even do that, I mean, contemporarily, you can do that with non-binariness as well. Correct. Because now it's something that we have to face as something with terms and conditions. Right. Because that too has been socially constructed. Right. Same thing for trans as a category. Right. Like, that has terms and conditions too. Totally. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. People love to get so, so, so angry when somebody calls Gerard trans. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what trans means. Yeah. Transgender does not need to mean you are transitioning, you are um, changing your pronouns. Transgender is kind of an umbrella term to incorporate all of these like ways of existing outside outside of a binary. I think that this is something that we've really lost sight of, partially because we don't have a lot of trans elders mm-hmm. or queer elders that we can like look to and speak to. Partly because we are ignoring them when they are speaking yeah. and telling them that they are wrong because we've decided mm-hmm. that the things that we're talking about now are more like elevated and kind than the way that they have been identifying themselves for decades. Right. When we say, specifically when trans people talk about Gerard wearing a dress as like having trans joy or trans like or euphoria, that is not like solidifying Gerard as being like a trans feminine person or as necessarily being a trans woman. We are not assigning womanhood to them when we do that. Yeah. We're saying that they are experiencing and doing things that are outside of the binary of masculinity and femininity and male and female. Mm-hmm. That's what we're saying. Which is not controversial. It's not controversial. Yeah. When we say that, uh-huh. when we, if we were to say, oh my god, Gerard is really showing that they are like doing things that are outside of a binary of male and female and masculinity and femininity and also is happy about it, uh-huh. you would not feel upset about that. Yeah. But as soon as we consolidate that into like trans joy, people get really mad mm-hmm. because they misunderstand the terms. We're right. just having a, we're literally just having a, a miscommunication. Right. Absolutely. That's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. The bigger thing surrounding that is like, we, we, we don't agree on what trans is. We don't. We don't agree on what trans is. And like, we don't, we don't need to. Much like Judith Butler is facing the question politically of we can't agree on what a woman is. Yeah. We can't agree on what a trans person is. Totally. And that's actually great. It is that's good. That's actually good because it makes us reconsider the way that we do politics. Yeah. Because the way we're doing politics is clearly not fucking working. (laughs) Like, it's not actually building meaningful communities in, like, capitalism, right? Right. Like, how how do we do that? These are people who are writing in the late 80s and early 90s about... They don't know what the internet is. (laughs) They do not know what it is. Yeah. Um, About how to do politics differently. We've clearly not taken their advice. However, it's not too late gang it's not like we can leave these categories open and instead like live in connections right that's i I think i think that's a more interesting question than like is gerard trans it's what what is trans it's what is trans and like are we feeling in community with this person we are we can include them good in our community good you relate to this person this thing that this person's doing makes you happy good Right. Yes. Right. Let's follow that. This is your first assignment for gender right. studies. Yeah. Is that if you want to yell online about how Gerard is not trans. Yeah. You need to write a four page essay <laughs> about what trans is. There you go. And you gotta you gotta include that. Yeah. It. You gotta I'm include sorry, it. You gotta send it to us. You gotta we'll send it grade to us. you. Oh yes, we will. You also have to read Judith Butler, sorry. Yeah. Um you do. But yeah, those those takes are just not grounded in a critical understanding of what being trans is. Right. And it's also just I mean, Judy B. Judy B says something 
you mentioned about history. This is kind of about history, but it's also about repetition. I think it's um, both, yeah. Gender ought not to be construed yeah, okay, as a stable yeah. identity or locus of agency from which various acts follow. Rather, gender is an identity tenuously constituted in time. Yeah. Instituted in an exterior space through a stylized repetition of acts. The effect of gender is produced through the stylization of the body, and hence must be understood as the mundane way in which bodily gestures, movements, and styles of various kinds constitute the illusion of an abiding gendered self. And why is that important here? Because Gerard is drawing on a long, 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 long history mm-hmm. of people doing their gender in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Often specifically we know with glam, things like that. We know that Gerard likes drag. We know that Gerard is interested in drag, is interested in people expressing and playing and being creative with mm-hmm. their gender. Mm-hmm. And that they are now doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, this isn't just a this tour thing. Right. The repetition. We've right. seen this forever from Gerard. Mm-hmm. This performance, these costumes, this elevated and exaggerated consciousness of expression. Of mannerisms. Of mannerisms. Yeah. Of slinking mm-hmm. and feminizing. Mm-hmm. And, and boas and makeup. And boas and, and makeup. This has always been here. taking on this vocal affectation sometimes that people might consider to be a little queer. Mm-hmm. Also it's kissing all... your rhythm guitarist. <laughs> but like, that's beside the point. <laughs> it's just a political statement, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the point is... <laughs> what is the point? The point is that this is someone who's doing gender. And knows that they're doing gender. Mm-hmm is tongue-in-cheek about it, mm-hmm. which is what Judy B is kind of talking about with drag a little bit, that, like, um, which you mentioned briefly yes. in um, in terms of, like, butch femme identity, but also in terms of, like, drag identity, like, it's tongue-in-cheek. We know what you want us to do. Mm-hmm. We know what you want us yeah. to do all the time, yeah. and we're not going to do that. And also, that other thing that you want us to do doesn't exist in our bodies before we do it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't exist now because we're not doing it. Yeah. But also, look, we can do it. But also, look, we can do it. Look, we can, we look, can, we can do, do it. it. It's oh easy. God, look, look, we're doing it right now. Look, I'm being so butch. Look, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. Like, right. it's it's easy. Look, look, look. Like, it makes the point that all gender expression is just that repetition. It's totally. just putting something on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just Which I think is actually something that people pick up on online when they talk about Gerard. I've seen people talk about how Gerard feels like they're doing drag even when they are not in, like, a little dress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that's super true. And I think that what we're picking up on here is, like, Gerard will heighten... We've talked about this a little bit before in our camp episode, I believe. Mm-hmm. Where Gerard will heighten both quote-unquote feminine characteristics and also quote-unquote masculine ther- characteristics, but in a way that's like, like, oh my god, I'm just trying to be butch right now. Yeah. You know? Yes. Like, we're, we're up here and we're going to do sports. Yeah. Is this good for you? Is uh-huh. this good hyper-masculinity? Am uh-huh. I doing it well enough? Exactly. You know? Exactly. So it's like, he's doing all kinds of drag. It's conscious performance. Right. Yeah. Rather than the kind of unconscious performance that we usually do. Mm-hmm. I've seen this a lot in terms of the quote-unquote discourse that's been happening online about Gerard wearing skirts. Because people hop on Tumblr, hop in the notes, and love to say, stop saying that Gerard wearing skirts is feminine. Stop using she, her pronouns for Gerard when they wear a skirt because that is, quote, gender essentialist. <laughs> so first of all, let's understand, what does the term gender what? essentialism mean? Yeah. It's not that. It's, it's not, not that. that. 
what you're responding to is people who seeing somebody intentionally, let's focus on this, intentionally utilizing that these things, these things that have been coded as feminine historically, or that are thought of as being performed as feminine, is using those things while they are performing. So, when Gerard says in a little song, I'm her type of boy and also her girl, and then people say, Gerard girl, little baby? Gerard girl? Gerard girl. This isn't a hot take. Yeah. Gerard's performing as a girl. Mm -hmm. Because Gerard is performing as a character that they have written as a girl. Gerard, not that kind of girl, eh? It's not going to be <laughs> upset about people using this term for them. I understand that, like, we are very cautious yes. about um, the kinds of terms we use for people. I think that it is good and well-meaning and conscious, generally. But it is I often... think we're cops about it sometimes. Right. Which we do need to stop. <laughs> it's often coming from a place of people who are quite young and are just understanding what being in a gender means or doing a gender means. And historically, especially pre-internet, we trans people talk about each other in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of fun and doesn't necessarily like need to be so serious all yeah. the time. And I think that that's really hard to see, especially at a time when trans people are being hunted down for sport. <laughs> um, so like, I get it. I don't know. To me, when people say, oh my god, she looks so cute when they talk about Gerard, it feels very much to me like queer people talking about each other yeah. when we like each other and when we do drag. They are heightening gendered characteristics, quote unquote gendered characteristics. They are doing gender a different way than they might in day-to-day -day life, mm -hmm. which is what drag is. Yeah. So saying, oh my god, she looks great, which is what you do with a drag queen, Yeah. is like not a crazy thing to do. Yeah. And it's not violence. It's not violence! It's, it's not, not violence! violence. Like, like, I... I understand the intent. The intent is good. However, this is the definition of preaching to the choir. Yeah, I, I do have a hard time. If you're a cis person and you love to attack trans people online for saying that you're artist trans, you are being transphobic. You are. Yeah. Simply and straightforwardly, you are actively doing transphobia. Also, consider if you're a cis person and you're listening to this podcast or you've stumbled upon it because you've been sent it out of rage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Weaponize the pod. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, if you are a cis person who has decided to pop down a trans person's throat about this and really feel a certain way about it, please consider why it is that you have such an intense reaction to somebody calling you a trans. Why? What, how is that impacting you? Is it because you think about him as a man wearing a dress? Is it because it takes away this ability for you to like sexualize that? Is it because you want to fantasize about him fucking his rhythm guitarist mm. in a gay way? And mm. that removes your ability to do that for some reason? Yeah, there is something there. Yeah. Is it? Mm -hmm. Because I've seen a lot of people who say that they really don't like when people talk about Gerard's gender, it's really intrusive, mm -hmm. turn around and continue to speculate about a certain relationship with yeah. a certain rhythm guitarist. Yes, yep. Which is no less intrusive or invasive. Mm -hmm. And it's in fact more. It's yeah. a lot more. Because Gerard has talked about their gender. And doesn't talk about that other thing. Except yes. for to say, this is a little weird. Mm -hmm. 
if you're if you're going to leave a comment about being frustrated with people calling Gerard trans, make sure you know why you're making that comment. Yeah, before you make it. And if you are a trans person who sees issues with this, who like is bringing up um, issues with labeling, I think that that's super well intentioned, and I think that you, along with us understand that labeling is really complicated mm -hmm. and that we don't need to assign hard lines to things. We agree. Mm -hmm. We totally agree on that. I think what's happening is we're just experiencing miscommunication. Yeah. When we say things, we're kind of meaning the same thing as you. It's just that you have understood them in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right? Totally. You are thinking of trans in a different way than we are. Mm -hmm. All us trans people can just like recognize this as being what it is, which is cool. Mm -hmm. and somebody expressing themselves in yeah. a certain way and doing a cool thing. Yeah. Um, and the way that we use to talk about it can be different um, and doesn't need to be something that we hurt each other over. Because we love each other. Yes, because we're a fucking community. <laughs> yeah, because right? we're a community. But if you're cis, you can fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if you're cis, you can fuck yourself. No. If your sister would actually eat shit, just kidding. Just kidding. So just, just kidding. kidding. Sorry, you do have to, if you're cis, you do have to be able to take a joke. If you're cis, if you're cis, you do have to do some reading. Yeah, is the thing. Yeah, totally. Before you hop in line, just because you're like this trans person said mm -hmm. it, so now I can say it. You can't actually. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Cis people who question their gender and are like, actually, this is this is working for me, and I'm gonna yeah. keep doing this. Cool. Awesome. I'm glad that you went down that journey. Right. You know what? I'm glad also, you're here. Also, here's the thing. We, we, do have, we do have room here for people who are gender non-conforming, people who don't necessarily label themselves whatever. Yes. I understand labeling is complicated. It's very complicated. Very We're complicated. being a little facetious. We're being facetious yes. right now. This is all a joke. Yeah. Um, this is really all a joke. We're also being serious, but it is also a joke. Um, it's both at once. It's and both that's camp, baby. It's both at once and that's camp. <laughs> um, yeah. Ultimately, I think what we're saying here, God, this has been just a lot, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what we're saying here is, when we talk about gender, there's a lot of different terms that mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And when somebody's doing something in front of you, the way that you talk about that as one trans person will probably be different than how another trans person talks about it. will probably be different than how another person, trans person talks about it. Because crazy, transness is not a monolith. It's not one thing. And we yes. are all doing lots of different things all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you're a trans person, you were talking about this. If you're a cis person who's thought about your gender and you're talking about this. If you're a cis person who hasn't thought about your gender, maybe think about it a yes, little. Yes, I encourage you to think about it. Um, it's very rewarding. Basically, a lot of this discourse has boiled down to let's police each other. Setting boundaries for one another is a good thing. Yeah. I don't think that this is an area where we need to set boundaries, yes. especially because the person who we are talking about is not setting those boundaries for themselves. Yeah. And hasn't. Totally. And has intentionally left yes. it open. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming along on that with us. Wow, yeah. Thank you for joining us on that journey. Um, you all get an A+. Plus that was a lot. In Gender 101. I think it's important to say everybody's talking about this all the time. Everyone's theorizing about this shit all the time. If you have different thoughts about it and different ideas about gender and how it is done and how you're doing it and how you're experiencing it, that's okay. Yeah. You can have those. That's great. Um, we're just doing this as a text that we think is important in terms of whatever, gender 101, something that we might relate to, um, but also is not without critique and has been critiqued many, many times. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so if you want to critique it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And you should. Get into it. And yeah. you should. I've read this text 
four times yeah. now. Um, and each time something new pops out, and each time I finish it, and I'm like, Jesus, fuck, what does this mean? It's hard. You know, it's, it's a hard text. It is a hard text. It's something that you need to sit with a long time. Um, but it is, I believe, a very worthwhile text. To if you're interested in engaging with gender in any type of theoretical way, it's essential for you it to read. It is essential, yes. If you don't want to engage with gender in that way, don't. Don't. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do but you probably aren't listening to this podcast. <laughs> if you don't want to engage with gender that way, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, then we also had identity politics. Oh, identity politics. Seeing, like, a state and labeling categories, which we kind of just talked about. We kind of talked about, I want to talk about, like, specifically identity and power. I talked about Foucault mm-hmm. um, and, like, history of sexuality, discipline and punish. These are two of Foucault's major works. He makes the point that categories of identity are used to exert power over people. These kinds of organizations are used... They're used to organize society, to organize a population, so that the state can have power over you and can mandate different things about yeah. you. It's almost as if Gerard has said exactly the same thing. You want to be a stereotype? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck no, you don't. Yeah. Because that's how people are able to do things to you, right? So existing outside of those categories becomes radical. Um, I recommend the book Seeing Like a State to see how this happens on a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you looked into that at all. The first part is a lot about forest management, <laughs> surprisingly. What? I didn't... Re- yeah, it's about, like, organizing... I don't think this is a treat. <laughs> no, it's like, this is this is the, the... Here's what's in this forest. Here's what's important as a resource mm-hmm. to the state. Right? We need... Fungi, blood. fuck fungi. Fuck fungi. Exactly. Fuck fungi. Fuck birds. Like, it's oh, wood. Yeah, okay. It's wood to burn, yeah. and we need that to keep the population from revolting. Yeah. Right? And they need that to heat their homes, to not freeze to death, and to cook their food. Because yep. otherwise they're going to overthrow the government. Right. And we need to stay in power. So, yeah. Um, let's organize the forests, make sure that they're easily manageable. Whatever. The same <laughs> thing happens with identity. Yeah. The same thing happens, there's a really cool section on last names. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs a last name so we know who you are and where you are. Right. So that if you're late on your taxes, we can kill you. Yeah. Um, it's a very, very interesting book. Mm-hmm. Um, highly recommend. But it's describing how these kinds of identity categories and exertions of state power manifest. Right. Um, we see more of that power from corporations these days, but that's not what he's talking about. For example, X gender markers. X gender markers. Why do you want the state, the state to, know to know that? I don't want the state to know that. I don't want the state to know that about me. Mm-mm. Because they will use it. Yeah. You think I'm going to put that I use they, them pronouns on a job application? No. Not unless they're cool. Not unless they're cool. And, like, I don't even know if they're cool until right. I work there That's for the a couple That's years. That's the thing. Yeah. you don't know. Uh-huh. No. I'm yeah. not going to put that on a job application. I'm not going to present that information to the government because they can't hurt you for what they don't know. It's also why, and this comes into Judith Butler a little bit. It's why passing is so important for trans people. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't know, they can't hurt you immediately, clearly, and violently. Exactly. They can't kill you exactly. if they don't know, if they can't see it. Identity politics. Mm-hmm. This is a word that gets thrown around by conservatives a lot to uh-huh. talk about why affinity groups are bad and why <laughs> right. trans people shouldn't be friends with each other. Right, which is like not what that means. <laughs> which is not what that means. Identity politics has way more nuance to it and we can critique it even mm-hmm. from a conservative vantage point when we talk about when people are only interested 
in connecting with people like them and making political community around people like them, you get to a very small group very fast. Right. Right? So the question becomes, what other kinds of political organization can we do? Mm-hmm. And that's when we get to Haraway, if we're ready to get to Haraway. Let's get to Haraway. Okay. This is Gender Studies 201. <laughs> this is maybe 301. This, is my, this might be a seminar. This might be a seminar. It's definitely a seminar. You don't read this until a seminar. Yeah. Welcome to our seminar. Welcome to our seminar. It's a little spooky in here. Yeah. You left Gender Studies 101. It was kind of just like a nice light room. There was like some good light coming in. Yeah. Just like a little bit warm, some warm wood. Maybe you get some tea during your break. You enter into this seminar, something has changed. And you can't put your finger on what it is, but something is different. There's a lot of intensity. It's a very, like, round table. There's a lot (laughs) of intensity. Everyone's looking at one another. The ceilings are sloped. They're sloped? (laughs) The light's different now. It's different. It's colder. Yeah. It's more intense. Serious. It's harsher. This is real business. It's real business. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Fucking Donna Haraway. Fucking Donna Haraway. Okay. I love you, Donna Haraway. I hope you listen to this podcast. You're not going to. That's okay. Um, <laughs> we can so, send it to her. <laughs> oh my god. You really probably could. One of my grad school email. friends interviewed her. Yeah. Because like, she's a professor. I'm sure you can email her. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we should do that. No, we're not do that. Um, um, but anyway. Anyway, hi Dawn. Instead of politics of identity, instead of trying to outline what a woman is or what a trans person is in these strong categories that are never going to catch everyone that has a vested interest in these politics... What else can we do? Donna Haraway proposes the figure of the cyborg. Mm-hmm. The cyborg does not require binaries to be a successful political figure. The cyborg pulls different things together and breaks down these kinds of binaries that limit us. Nature, culture, man, woman, man, right. machine. Mm-hmm. These binaries, seeing, yeah, physical, non-physical, man, machine, yeah, exactly. Those kinds of binaries and oppositions permeate throughout history in a way that makes them seem essential. Right. Right. Culture is necessarily an iteration upon nature. No. Haraway hates that. Haraway hates Haraway that. Haraway hates that. That's Haraway's least favorite thing, in fact. Exactly. <laughs> um, and the cyborg doesn't do that. The cyborg does not require a true nature. It does not require a flat nature. It Mm -hmm. does not require some truth that exists out there before society. Yeah. Which is also what Butler is describing. Right. There is no sex or gender before you hit society. Yeah. It's all culture, baby. It's all culture, baby. The cyborg. What is is the cyborg to you, Marin? The cyborg to me is, as we're saying, as things break down, as those, like, Basically, what Haraway is saying is that in the 20th century, the boundary between human and animal is breached. Mm-hmm. We've breached it. We understand that, like, we've had feminism talk about connections to animals, right? We understand that animals have languages. We understand that animals use tools. We understand that animals have social behavior, that they experience thought. We understand these things. And therefore, the line between animal and human the boundary we've set for ourselves is muddled, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's why we say the quote-unquote non, non-human animals. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because we're animals. We're also that. Yeah. We're also animals. Mm-hmm. What she's saying is that as we are entering... She, okay, first of all, I think it's important to say that she wrote this in, like, 85. Yeah. Which is fucking 
absolutely batshit mm-hmm. because a lot of what she's saying is happening and it's scary to me, but yeah. she's like pretty on the nose about a lot of this. What she's theorizing is that as machines, as we continue to interact more casually with machines, the line bet- that we have created between machine and human will also blur. Mm-hmm. Can I throw a quote in? Toss a quote. Here's a quote. Late 20th century machines have made thoroughly ambiguous the difference between natural and artificial, mind and body, self-developing and externally designed, and many other distinctions that used to apply to organisms and machines. Our machines are disturbingly lively, and we ourselves are frighteningly inert. Yeah. We're, like, hanging out with machines all the time. And this is especially relevant now. It was less relevant, I think, in the 80s. It was starting to happen in the Mm -hmm. 80s. It's like, it's happened. It's happened. We have a phone attached to our hands at all times. All times. That's not different from us anymore. Mm -hmm. It's part of us. We're hanging out with it. And that phone, any machine that we... It it can be a phone. It can be a power chair. It can be, like, any technology that modifies our lives. Right. Like... A pacemaker. Yeah, exactly. All of these things make us more than the individual we assumed that we were. Right. Or that modernist history wants us to believe that we are. Which is really cool. So what kinds of coalitions do we build through those connections? That's the political question. Um, And those connections exist whether whether we like them or not. Yeah. Those are, um, Haraway uses the phrase, like, strange bedfellows (laughs) occasionally to talk about, like, making those alliances with machines or making those alliances with other political categories that can get you where you're going without investing you wholly in that other project. Yeah. There's a quote where she says, from one perspective, a cyborg world is about the final imposition of a grid of control on the planet, about the final abstraction embodied in a Star Wars apocalypse waged in the name of defense, about the final appropriation of women's bodies in a masculinist orgy of war hot statement. Mm -hmm. From another perspective, a cyborg world might be about lived social and bodily realities in which people are not afraid of their joint kinship with animals and machines, not afraid of permanently partial identities and contradictory standpoints. And she's saying we need to see them both. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to see both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to, like, be afraid of machines a little bit in some ways. We're about the way that the state is using machines. And also acknowledge that we're all being a cyborg all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, we're necessarily embedded in technology. Yeah. We are not separate from it. Right. We cannot be separate from it. And we need to be aware of the good and bad mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. I will say this text is a lot more readable. It is. It's than fun Butler's. to read. It's fun to read. She's fun. Yeah. She's like... She's fun. She's a little silly. She's a little silly. She makes little jokes. There are some, there are some tougher words that you can kind of Google them. And you can still Google understand them and you can also sentence. skim it. You can still you can understand still the sentence. skim it and yeah. get... Yeah. Yeah. So I think my, to like bring it back to Gerard and to bring it back to, I don't know, we started with identity politics, right? Yeah. Like, instead of policing the category of trans, what does it mean that we see Gerard and connect to Gerard? Yeah. And in a gendery way, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is building instead of, instead of trying to write an identity around whatever we're feeling, what does it look like to make a coalition instead? Right. To say, this connection matters. Mm-hmm. This one matters. It may not say everything, but it says something, and that's good enough for me. 
Yeah. I think that's what the sideboard does for me for thinking about this particular moment that we're describing. Totally. And I think it's because she's saying that cyborg politics are, quote unquote, the struggle for language and the struggle against perfect communication, against the one code that translates all meaning perfectly. Mm-hmm. We're just doing a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> and the struggle for survival, too, right. right? It's about survival. It's about survival and it's about pleasure. Oh, yeah. Oh, hi. So one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this was because we had a presentation night because we're doing this. We like them. It's really fun. And I did a presentation on hyperpop, which we like here on the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, we're fans of hyperpop mm-hmm. as a non-genre. Um, and something we talked about a lot in terms of hyperpop is that it is a genre of music that's really dominated by queer and trans people. A lot of the majority of the larger artists in hyperpop are who identify as queer or trans. And something that they use a lot is voice modification to muddle and change the way that voices sound to like make them an instrument, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the times in hyperpop, the voice becomes almost indistinguishable from synths. Yeah. I read an article about the way that, like, vocal processing in music technology is being used, or, like, how you, like, are able to clip things and change pitches and things like that, and it was referred to as a kind of auditory skin grafting, and I think that that gets heightened to, like, an extreme degree in hyperpop, where people are using synths and auto-tune and things like that to not, like, do a skin graft, but to do, like, plastic surgery, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. It becomes, like, often unintelligible as a gendered voice, kind of a machine voice. And why do we want to talk about that with Gerard? Well, Gerard's been using a lot of synths and using a lot of pedals and using a lot of modifications. Yeah. It's something that you can't always hear from the barricade, but if you watch, like, the sleep video from Mexico City. Yeah. Holy shit, it sounds cool. Yeah. It is so much like modifying their their voice. To, to sound it, inhuman. To sound inhuman. And there are moments where they use their voice in like echoes and screeches that echo throughout mm-hmm. the the whole show in a way that they haven't done before. Which is fucking super cool. Really cool. The reason why we want to talk about that in relation to gender also mm-hmm. is like, do cyborgs have gender? Sometimes. Do, do robots have gender? Occasionally. Sometimes occasionally, if they want to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes no, mm-hmm. if they want to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time when we see this in like popular music, a lot of the time the point is like anti-gender, anti-being forced into a label based on what your voice is. For a lot of these artists, you don't know what their speaking voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. You don't know what their singing voice without a synth sounds like. Mm -hmm. And, like, their voice without that doesn't exist. They're making their voice. They're creating it. Like, it's happening. And obviously this isn't, like, relevant entirely to everything that Gerard does, but, like, in this, like, we see that same thing happening. Mm -hmm. They're doing weird shit. Yeah. They're doing cool, weird shit. We just wanted to talk about how it's cool and weird. It's cool. It's a nice direction. (laughs) It is. We like it a lot. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it it is happening in, I think, more elevated ways than more hyper-pop. However, to see that crossover here, pretty cool. It is. Pretty, pretty cool. Another thing that I wanted to talk about in relation to cyborgs um, and to Haraway specifically, Haraway talks a lot about, like, playfulness. Yeah. And partiality. Yeah. And I think when we see Gerard putting on these little costumes, 
for one night only. Yeah. And, or for like several nights in a row. Right. Like trying on these various expressions and making a connection with Princess Diana. Making yeah. a connection with a Manson girl. Like this multiplicity, it's not a whole allegiance with femininity. It's not a whole allegiance with like trans identity it's it's a it's a dip in the pond yeah right yeah like it's it's bouncing back and forth in a way that like shows a relation the relation is certainly there without having to draw a line around oneself the thing about gender is you can kind of just do it in a different way i know that judith butler likes to say that like it's about repetition Mm -hmm. and it is about repetition but it's also about like having fun (laughs) while you're doing it you While can repeat it. the openness. Right. That, too, is a repetition. That is a repetition. Yeah. And I think that that's, like, also what people might be like, he's not repeating anything. Mm-hmm. He is. He is. I promise you he is. Mm-hmm. I promise you it's happening and it's repeating. Just because you don't see the little Jackie O dress as the same as the little Princess Diana outfit, it doesn't mean that it is not a repetition. Right. it is. Right. Is it too late to talk about modernism, postmodernism, posthumanism? I would feel irresponsible as a professor if I did not <laughs> talk about postmodernism. Yeah. Okay, um, sure. I well just to like say I mean the words that we've thrown around and I think we should like sure. define them a little. Sure, sure, sure. That's fine. Modernism. What is it? What's modernism? Okay, modernism is the idea that there is a world out there and we as human beings can understand it, master it, and control it for the good of our society and for our improvement as human beings, Mm -hmm. which many people have recognized as bullshit. Modernism is is a project that's existed for a really long time since like the enlightenment and has like developed to a certain height in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And then it starts to break down in like the seventies when we realize that that there is no truth underneath the representations that we draw, mm-hmm. both in art and in science and in society. Like the the original, the idea of a real, which is exactly what Butler is talking about, that too is constituted socially. Yeah. Right? So once we start saying that, all of these projects that we've been building and these forms of social control that we've been building uh, feel incredibly empty. Yeah. Um, and that we're not reaching towards some kind of like truth or enlightenment. That is postmodernism. Right. Um, is, oh fuck, there's no utopia. There's no utopia, goddammit. None of the things we did worked. Yeah. So postmodernism becomes very pessimistic. It's nihilism. Yeah. It's inherently nihilistic. Totally. Um, if you're interested in what postmodernism feels like, listen to Thursday. You know who knows what postmodernism oh, is? Is Jeff Rickley. No, that's super true. Copies of copies of copies. Yeah. That's postmodernism. I, I would love to read Jeff Rickley's uh, undergraduate thesis. <laughs> Jeff Rickley, if you're listening to the pod, hey, send me it. <laughs> um, there's lots of reflection. There's lots of transparency. Uh, both of these, both modernism and postmodernism have strong architectural movements. It just becomes very mindless and absent in postmodernism. Yeah. Um, posthumanism is a lot more optimistic. Posthumanism yeah. is kind of what Haraway is describing. Yeah. It's these kind of allegiances that we can form despite this loss of representation or reliance on like truth and nature, then we, be- we become more connected with others. Um, and it doesn't become a project of human mastery, but rather coalition building. Yeah, totally. So there's your 101. These are all just things you can use. Mm-hmm.
if you want to. some terms. Hey, now you some, know what these terms some are. Some touch points. There, there are terms that I wish had been defined for me long ago. Yeah. Um, and that only started to crystallize, like, second year of grad school. Yeah. Um, which, bleh. But um, I think yeah. they're useful for thinking with. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, to close out Cyborg Manifesto, there is a quote that Donna says kind of at the end that says, we require regeneration, not rebirth. And the possibilities for our reconstitution include the utopian dream of the hope for a monstrous world without gender. Crazy thing to say. Cyborg imagery can suggest a way out of the maze of dualisms in which we have explained our bodies and our tools to ourselves. So, how does this relate to Judy B? Well, Judy B is talking about the way that gender is happening now. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the way that we're doing gender. Mm-hmm. If you want to picture a world without gender, have at it. Yeah. And think about the cyborg. Live it, do it. Live it, do it. Mm-hmm. It's about action. It's about making connections. Right. It's about... Dismantling bi- binaries yeah. and boundaries. Yes. Yeah. And 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 that, that is an action, not just an assumption. Right. Yeah. You have to do it. You have to make those connections, have those conversations. You do. In order for it to matter. You do. And that that's necessary for undoing that assumption of a reality. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, what have we been doing for this whole episode? We've been talking about Gerard Way um, (laughs) in this episode. That's a great point. And also uh, major gender theorists. Yeah. Yeah. And also major gender theorists. Um, The thing that hit me as I was reading these texts was that the question is not, is Gerard Way trans? The question is, why is it such a hot button issue? The question is, what are they doing? What are they up to? What are they something, doing? Something cool is happening there. Right. right. Both as a form of expression and in our internet spaces, watching these connections happen and yeah. watching this joy erupt. Something cool is happening. What is happening? Mm-hmm. And I think reading these texts, we can see non-normative communities form around expression. Totally. And that's really cool. And, and that let's is... not destroy our communities. Right. So that we can point out terms. Mm-hmm. Let's and keep I... them open. Yeah. And I think we are practicing extremely normative, extremely 1980s politics yeah. when we try to police what trans is. I agree. You think that you're progressive, you think that you're in the 21st century because you know what trans is, Yeah. but you are treating it exactly the same way that gender categories have been treated in the past. Totally. You are not past that. No. And to get past that, you need to open your mind to alternative ways of being, expressing, and forming connections. Right. And whether that's just thinking of trans as an umbrella category or whether that is just like eliminating categories in your mind. Yeah. Go for either of those Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. I think either of those things are fine. Open it up. But just open it up. Just open it up. Just open it up a little. You as a person, as a 19 year old, you as a 24 year old, you us as a 25 year old, Mm -hmm. we are not going to be able to tell you what being us as a 25 year old. I'm 27. Sorry. (laughs) You as a a fucking old person. No. Um, We are not going to be able to say what being trans is. We're not going to be able to say what transness is because it's not 
Because <laughs> it's so many things. Because it's not. And it's, it's many. So, yes, yeah. exactly. It is not and it is many. Yeah. That is such a good expression. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. We're all hanging out at this table together. Absolutely. Let's eat some food instead of fucking yelling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the end of our least controversial episode. Yes. Wow. <laughs> no one's going to have a single opinion about this, but genuinely, oh my God. if you have opinions about this, send it our way. Send us an email. Send us a DM. Whatever. If you have a question, send it Send it our way. Like, we can That's clarify. the thing is also, like, you can send us your shit and we're not going to think of it in bad faith at no. all, ever, unless you are like, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe we will. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we'll just go, okay, I don't care about criticism. It does not bother me. Criticism. And I think it's yeah. good. I like um, criticism. I like to respond to it. Right. So, yeah. So, if, there's, if you have legitimate criticism, please send it. We're happy to talk about it. We're happy to hear it. We're happy to chat. Yeah. We're just having a discussion mm-hmm. here. We're having a discourse. This is discourse. Welcome. This is discourse. Welcome, we're We've doing done it. it. Welcome, we're doing it. You're yes. participating in it. Yes. Yes, exactly. If you've sent us a, a message, you've participated in it. Hello, it's Editing Marin again. Here is your little ASMR moment to prepare you for us to talk about all the wonderful asks we've been receiving. Okay, here we go. Um, And talk a little bit about all of the many wonderful asks and messages we've been getting. Yeah. Oh, we've got so many. There are like, we've answered some of them on Tumblr, but we also like, there are others that are more detailed that we wanted to like actually address on the pod yes. and like shout out some cool ideas that people had. Shout out to uh, My Energy Is So Strong for sending us a message. Um, shout out to a handful of anonymous messages about asking us to talk about certain topics. Y'all are awesome. Um, but we also wanted to directly address some of the things that people have been sending. There's also a cat in here. So if you hear some rustling. It's a little cat. It's a little freak cat. Yeah. Yeah, so an anonymous sent an ask saying, thank you so much for the horror slash monster ep. Not connected to zombies or vampires, but I kept thinking about the shape of, the, of water and how there's a clear distinction between the monster slash the outcast siding with it and the quote-unquote normal social figure, middle-aged, cishet, white guy, Strickland. With regards to what you said about community, the outcasts in that film work together to smuggle the monster out, hide him, get him to safety, while the guy representing the status quo loses his fingers and dies to life. Super... True. Um, I love that movie. It's a great movie. It's super similar to what we were saying about the, yeah, clear distinction between mm-hmm. the monster and the outcast siding with him. And, and like, centering the outcasts in a horror right. movie instead yeah. of, I don't know if it's a horror movie necessarily, but, like, yeah, center, like centering that narrative against yeah. the normative. But, yeah, great. Thanks for sending that. I'm glad that that spoke to you um, with regards to that movie. Great movie. Um, the next one up is another Anon recommending Grievers by Adrienne Marie Brown as a mid-pandemic text that fully engages with a metaphorical, fantastical version of COVID as it relates to race and class. That sounds cool. Thank yeah. you for the recommendation. Everybody go check that out. Um, and then the rest of the ask is also thinking about zombies and HIV AIDS. Especially, uh, specifically, there's one quote, I don't remember where from, uh, where Jeff Rickley very offhandedly mentions one of the songs on Bullets being about Gerard being afraid of his brother being affected by the AIDS crisis. And I can't think of any song on bullets that would fit that interpretation better than early sunsets. And even aside from potential authorial intent, the whole not knowing you've changed with just one bite of it all, it's been fascinating and devastating to read the song through that lens. I, okay, did you, do you know where that quote is? I don't have know if I it? have heard it before. You have? I've heard it I before. haven't heard it because I know I would have been like, sorry, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I've seen it before. Okay. Um, I don't remember where. So it where. exists somewhere. It exists somewhere. If anybody knows what it is, yeah, send, send it, it over. I would love to, like, add that to the catalog. Because, of, wow. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. The only other song I could think of would be Vampires, I guess? Exactly. And I'm thinking about how, like, an AIDS metaphor fits zombies and vampires. It does. 
variant. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're going to do an episode about HIV AIDS and illness, mm-hmm. I believe, in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit there as well yeah. as a reference. Yeah. Um, but really cool that you're thinking that way. We're also thinking that way. Send us your thoughts. Send us that quote. Yeah. Because I want to Send us that it. quote. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody has that quote, please, please send it and we'll yeah. read it aloud. Yeah. This one is from Shout Your Porpoise. Nice. Lovely. They said... Just listened to y'all's latest episode and really enjoyed it. Wanted to add my own two cents to the zombie slash vampire discussion, which is that while they both deal with death, the horror of the vampire is that of never changing. Much like the living's memories of their lost loved ones, they will never surprise you again because they are not alive to do so. While the horror of the zombie is of being changed so thoroughly that the former self has no connection to the current body. Super true. Mm-hmm. Something we did not say. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you are right on the nose for that. Totally. Totally correct. Um, and thanks for pointing that out. I was thinking of how that related to their When We Were Young costumes and how deliberately they leaned more towards the zombie aspect than the vampire one. That's a great point. But Mikey's a vampire. That's true. Right? <laughs> that's true. Mikey's a vampire. Mikey's a vampire. Okay. That's true. No, that's true. Okay, so maybe they're leaning into both. I think it's both. There. I think it's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of both. Yeah. As y'all mentioned, the industry and the festival in particular had already vampired and predated on them by preserving their old selves in amber and expecting them to show up as exact copies of their former selves. <laughs> While I know they weren't in zombie costumes, the old folks' makeup definitely felt like it was pushing forward the discomfort of the decaying body as the primary source of horror. What a great comment. Yeah. Thank you for sending this. You managed um, to capture so much good stuff about how when we were young did yeah. to them right. what the industry has always been doing to them yeah. um, for yeah. a really long time. That's really well stated. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're doing zombies and vampires at the same time. Thank you for that comment. Yeah. Really Thank cool you. analysis. Um, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is a take on Danger Days, which I kind of want to save. Absolute Destiny Apocalypse mm-hmm. with two S's at the end of it has a, a cool comment about uh, Danger Days, radical love, and like the aesthetic shift. Um, we really want to do a Danger Days episode yeah. in the future. We know we haven't talked about it that much. We really haven't. Um, we have one planned. Yeah. So this We'll save this your user, comment. Yeah, for, we will save your them. comment to talk yeah. about it then. Um, and then the last one, I'm going to all answer the academic essay Great. one on the Please blog. Do. But um, the last one is from Bre- Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review. That <laughs> That's amazing. Can't wait to hear your thoughts from the last leg of the tour. My mind is still reeling from Oceania and and now Japan. Drumheads, outfits, set lists, Instagram posts, everything. Excited to see what you guys think about everything we got and the future of the band. Oh boy. Yeah. That leg was really different, like, costume-wise. It was. Than what we've seen. Yeah. And I don't think that's just because Gerard didn't have enough room in their suitcase. I think that that was very intentional. I don't know what it means yet. Yeah, I know. I've seen a lot of theorizing about it and discussion about, like, the, the skirt suit. As, like, mm-hmm. as every costume or whatever. And people talking about, like, what it can mean for... For Gerard representing, like, often discriminated against women mm-hmm. um, or characters. What does it mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know it means something, though. I think it is absolutely loaded I with think meaning. I so too. Um, I mean, clearly everything they've done in this tour has been really intentional. It, I'll say this, it makes me very optimistic for the future of the band. Really? Yes. Are you nervous about it? That's great. I, I'm i always nervous about it. I don't know. I think it's like, I just never assume I'm going to get anything from yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Here's the thing. I am ready to wait. Yeah. I can wait. Yeah. I can be patient. Yeah. I will hold vigil. Um, yeah. I know it might take a while yeah. and that if when, when, we 
get something new, it will they will have taken their time with it, and it will be something that they're ready to share with us. Totally. And I'm okay to wait for that. This this end to the tour shows us that they're still having fun, they're still feeling creative, and... Yeah. That I, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't think it's done. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully that's true. I, I, I um, need to have optimism is the thing. I know. Or else I'll die. How much have you been seeing about, like, theorizing for, like, themes or whatever in this leg of the tour? Uh, yeah, I heard a little bit, a little bit about, like, uh, 9-11. The business bitch and 9-11. The business bitch and 9-11. Yeah, people were really like, this is about 9-11. I don't know <laughs> about that. I don't know about that either. Yeah. I love the theorizing. Mm-hmm. Keep at it. If yeah. you can find meaning in that, that's awesome. Um, and it's something they talk about a lot. So, like, I don't think it's unfounded at all. I don't know that it's necessarily what they're intending, mm-hmm. but I don't think you're wrong, yeah. also. I'm not going to yeah. tell you you're wrong. No. We're not going to tell you you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Except I will tell the people who, okay, there was somebody who was, like, posting, like, Worm shared a picture of a watch, and they were like, here's where the hands are pointing, this is when the new album is coming out. You are wrong. I'm sorry. (laughs) That guy's definitely a watch guy, and that's all that there is to that. I mean, here's the thing. I think it's really appealing to, when you have a band who uses symbols and small simple things to mean bigger things all the time, Mm -hmm. to, like, read into everything. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing to do, but I also think sometimes it, it, it just is yeah. what it is. Yeah. You're yeah. seeing Jesus in your toast, and that's okay. Right! Exactly! <laughs> it might just be toast. It might just be toast. <laughs> it might just be toast. But we'll see. Love we to be, be wrong. wrong. Love to be Would wrong. Would love to be yeah, wrong. I love yeah, to be yeah. wrong. There was a, a Frank podcast recently where he was talking about how they wrote foundations that they weren't intending to. Yeah. And that they were just back together, they were feeling it, and that they did it because it felt right. Which is awesome. Which is awesome, and I hope that they continue to do that. I hope um, they do too. I'm hoping that it will actually happen now that they don't have a reason to be together, which is for a tour. A tour. Yeah. Is just my only fear. Yeah. But also, when when they've said, we'll be back, I trust them. They really have mm-hmm. been saying that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Gerard Way is a notorious liar, but you know what? I have trust issues with this band. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for the asks. Oh yeah, let's also just shout out to um, user You Stake My Heart, user I, I Am An Atomic, atomic Bomb, TBP B-Sides, <laughs> nice, EGZ, Gag, Glitch, Ghost, Crime Wizards, you guys all have fun. Right. Really good URLs. Vacant and Stained 3x4, Paralytic, Dash States, Baby Girl Gerard, and Maricat Coded. Thank you for sending your messages. Thank you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, that's the time. inbox. That's, that's the, the mailbox. We're right okay, Mr. Rogers. Rogers. We've got free mail. Aww, that's cute. That's cute. I got a little cardigan today. You literally are like mm. serving mm. serving Mr. Rogers core right now. <laughs> well, okay. I think there was one other thing we were going to talk about. There was. Um, the the thing is, okay, now we're gossiping. Okay, <laughs> you have now to listen. We're gossiping. So here's Somebody the... asked us on Tumblr. Somebody asked us on Tumblr. Let's go read the ask. Yes. Have you guys heard about the Barricade Brigade fiasco? Having been at the Barricade at multiple shows, have you run into these people or can testify to the negative impact they have at shows? Or are you, like me, confused? Because it seems like there is a good community and system in the line at shows. And now there's suddenly so much hate geared at these people. I trust you guys and your opinions, especially since you have direct experience. So I'm curious what your take on this is. First of all, thanks for your message, and thanks for trusting us as a little, as some people to talk about things. We appreciate yeah. that. Um, this is also a very nuanced and respectful ask about something that people have not been very nuanced or respectful about. Yeah, people yeah. have been, in fact, not nuanced and not respectful yeah. at all on both sides of this mm-hmm. argument. No one's going to like to hear that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what do we feel about this? Oh gosh. What do you feel so, about this? So, here's the thing. 
It's fun to cue for shows. It's fun. It's fun. I had a great time doing it. I did too. I really did. I felt for the vast majority of the shows that we went to, people were respectful. Yeah. People were generous. Yep. People were kind. Yeah. People were looking out for each other. Totally. 95% of the time. Yeah. And that's good enough, right? Totally. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And like, this is, I mean, our experience as like, we only camped for two shows, right? For the New Jersey shows. Otherwise, we just queued yeah. all day. We got up early and yeah. got in line. So we didn't. Yeah. We didn't camp for most of the shows. We so I think we've never... experienced the line in certain ways because of that. Yeah. Um, we were never first in line. Nope. Um, we were we usually in the twenties to sixties. Yep. I think the highest we got was seventeen. Yep. And that was fine. And we did not camp overnight for that. No, fine. we did not. Um, Here's the thing. I think that Barricade Brigade became an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, in the the Oceania and Japan dates. Yeah. Because a lot of Americans flew over and did the same things that they had done for the other shows. There's been a lot of people talking about certain amounts of privilege that go into being able to quit your job, follow tours around. That is true. (laughs) Anybody being critiqued for having privilege to be able to do these things, it is a, it is correct, right? Yes. It is a privileged position to be able to quit your job or take PTO or take vacation time or whatever to be able to do these things. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that people are making a ton of money. I think that that mm-hmm. can be false, right? Yeah. I know for us specifically, I took a lot of vacation time mm-hmm. that was paid just because I have an office job that allows me to do that. Yeah. You took unpaid vacation time. I took a month unpaid. Right. Yeah. Which did end up being brutal. Yeah. Um, but we but had jobs that allowed us to do that. And we could do it. Yeah. yeah we, we were okay. Yeah. We were able to do it. Um, so yeah, like, obviously you wanted to queue for a show or like follow a band a little bit. You had to be able to do that. And that is a privilege to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's like upset about somebody saying that they have privilege for being able to spend money on tickets and go to shows, um, it's unfounded. You do. You can just own up to that. Yep. And it's fine. Yes. And you'll be Mm -hmm. fine. Right? It is. If you are only going to one or two shows and somebody who's been to 20 shows before you is at the barricade again, and you are not able to be at the barricade because of that, I understand why that makes you upset. Yeah. Like, that kind of fucking blows. Yeah. Um, and I think that it would do people who have seen the band a lot some good to think about why those people who are only seeing the band a handful of times or two or three times or one time, to think about why it would make them really upset to not be able to, like, have the experience that these people have had Sometimes over 10 times, right, right? Right, I loved being able to be barricade. I loved being able to, to do it for, like, what, the four shows that we did? Four yeah. or five? Yes. Um, it was incredible. I'm so, so glad we were able to do that. Mm-hmm. And also, I want other people to have that experience. Yes. And I think that that's something that we should, like, hold for each other, mm-hmm. is that we want other people to have that experience. Like, we don't want to, like, hoard it all for ourselves. Yes. Because, like, I get it. Like, you want to go to a lot of shows. I think that's fucking awesome. I think sometimes let other people... Like, be third row. Be third row! Oh, no. Oh, no, you're third row. It's great to be third row. (laughs) Yeah. Show up when doors happen. You don't have to sit in the sun all day. We literally showed up for doors at Boston, and we're fourth row. We were fourth row. It was great. And it was fucking awesome. We were able to get a beer. It was amazing. We had the biggest Modelo of all time. The biggest and most expensive (laughs) Modelo that anyone has ever purchased. Oh, my God. So it's like... You just, like, don't... Yeah. You can go to a lot of shows. You can do that. You can be a barricade for some of those shows. But also, like, I don't know. I think we should encourage people, other people, to be barricade, too. I just really think we should encourage other people to have Mm -hmm. those experiences. And I think it's, like, a good thing Mm -hmm. to, like, see beyond our own experiences and recognize it as communal. Because here's 
a thing. A lot of it's about clout. People love yeah. to think that they have connections to the band. People love to think that they, because they interact with Beamer or because they interact with whatever, even a member of the band. If you smile at a member of the band, if you look at a member of the yeah. band, whatever, you like to think that you are now a unique person to them. Mm-hmm. You aren't. You aren't. You are a part of a collective experience every night you go. They aren't going to remember your face, probably. Yeah. Maybe they will. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably not. 99% they see people who look very similar to yeah. you every single night. Right. 99% of the time, they're not going to remember who you are. Yeah. 99% of the time. You individually right. are not special to them. You individually are not special to them. However, yeah. we all together are special to them. Yeah. We all together... The community that we shape, that is what matters. So it benefits everybody mm-hmm. and the band to think about it that way and to think about it as a communal experience we are having with each other. Yeah. And not as like, how can I get as close to Waitora as possible so that he can look me specifically in the eyes and also because that gives me a specific experience. I'm glad I got to look in their eyes. It was fucking awesome. It was, it was awesome and I'm glad it, it got to happen. But I am under no illusion that Raytora remembers my face. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I I think he remembers it as being a good show, you yeah. know, because he posted a little thirst trap. Oh, <laughs> that was our first show. And Jesus it was insane. fucking crazy. Um, but, like, <laughs> I'm under no illusion that he remembers me specifically, yeah. but I am under, I do know that he remembers that show as being a good show. Mm-hmm. And, like, as having a connection to that crowd. Yeah. And, like, to the part of the crowd that he was engaging with. Mm-hmm. To the part of the crowd he's in front of. And I was fucking part of that. Yeah. So he does remember me in that yeah. way. You know, it just doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be the way we make it. Exactly. That yeah. was a very nuanced way yeah. to say that. Also, if you are from the U.S. where there have been 40 plus show dates mm-hmm. and you are flying across the ocean to go to one of the six that are happening in a country mm-hmm. or one of the two that are happening in a country, here's a thought. Give other people some time. Yeah. Show up at doors. Show up at doors. Or or wait, but be cool with not being barricaded every night. Yeah. Be barricaded one night, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then fucking give other people a chance. Because they probably won't be back to that country for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. The U.S. US gets a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. we get a lot because they fucking live here. So it's like... Because they're a from the U.S. Yeah. Because they're a from the U.S. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) But I think we as a community need to think about what who's setting the terms for engagement for our community. Yeah. We need to connect with each other and know each other and set expectations for each other. That needs to be communal. Right. Not just a group of people who are continuously at the front of the line saying, this is how it works because we got here first. At the shows we went to, we, like we said, 95% of the time it was great. We met a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know and interacted with people who were in what people mm-hmm. think of as the quote-unquote barricades yes. and had lovely interactions with them generally. Absolutely. And at the shows that we were at with them, it felt like it was generally a positive experience and like things were organized pretty well. Mm-hmm. But that's because everybody was like down with it. Yeah. Everyone was down with it. Everyone was fine with it. Everyone was like having a good time and there weren't like <laughs> hordes of Americans Yeah. <laughs> like showing up in a country that like they don't live in... And people. to set the rules for a community that they're not part of. Which sucks. Yeah. Which really does suck. That sucks. Like, that sucks. Yeah. So, I think the the long and short of it should be, like... It's when you start to get negative feedback. Yeah. That's when you need to say, oh, I hear you. 
thank you for letting me know. Right. I'm not going to do that again. That That's okay to be like, oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't realize that I was overstepping. Right. That's the thing is I think that on both sides, I think people, there have been some people who have been, who have been being a bit too intense mm-hmm. with the whole thing. Yes. Let's intend someone death threats, for oh, no, Let's just, not. like, you know, yeah. let's just, like, be a little normal yeah. <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, however, I do also think that there have been people who are not comfortable with taking any kind of criticism and will respond to that with, well, I can just do this. Yeah. I, I can do this. this. Sorry that you can't, but I can. Yeah. And that's, like, not fun or nice or, like, like, yeah. it's just kind of mean and selfish and, like, takes away from the group experience. So it's, like, yeah. if the whole front of the crowd fucking hates one another by the time you get inside. It's not a good show. It's not a good show. Yeah. And that's not the experience we had. Mm-hmm. Almost every single show we went to, well, <laughs> all the new teenagers, I'm still mad. I a handful of the shows that we went to were fucking incredible because we just like took care of one another. Montreal. 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 We talk about Montreal so yeah, Montreal. much. Thank you, Canada. But it was like, we were stoked for the people who got in. We were stoked for the people wherever they were. We would, like, look down the barricade yeah. and, like, grin at each other because we were all so excited to be there and, like, experiencing it. And that's what fucking matters. Yeah. That's awesome. We should do that for each other. Yeah. I will say again, in Montreal, we had people... I left the barricade to go pee. People let me do that. Mm-hmm. We had someone leave the barricade to get food. We don't need to be cruel to one another. We don't need to be cruel to one another. This is also, like, I don't know, if you're somebody who interacted with us and think that we're, like, calling you out, you probably are a little bit. Yeah. And that's okay. And right. also, we still like you. We still like you. No, like, this is not an like attack you. on any, like, it's just a take a breath. Just, like, just think about Reconsider. it. Reconsider. Just think yeah. about it. Just think about yeah. it. And think about the way we're interacting with each other and, like, think about that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And we can just be nice to each other and have a yeah. good time. Makes it better for everybody. Yeah. Also... Don't leave the barricade before the show ends. That shit sucks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, that is my one hard opinion. That, that I, I get do. Mm-hmm. You waited all day to see the band, and then you left. That's when they were playing kids. When they were, when they were playing, playing kids? kids? In New Jersey? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but generally, we feel fine. Generally, otherwise, <laughs> no. no. How should we close this out? I don't know. What are What's coming up for you in your life that you're looking forward to? Oh, what, was there a big, like, thing that happened for you, maybe? Like, an email that you got? Or, like, <laughs> a, like, a, like something that maybe you applied for that you got? Like, yeah. did that happen for you? Okay, guys, here's how you know that your dreams can become a reality. <laughs> I wrote an application for grad schools for digital culture programs where I literally talked about My Chemical Romance. I literally talked about My Chemical Romance. I was like... If you go on the internet, you can see Frank Iero and Gerard Way kiss each other forever. That is literally <laughs> like my first sentence in this. Literally, I talked about Frank and Gerard kissing for a grad school application, and I did get in. So you, yeah! so you too can do that. Love wins. My, so love wins. <laughs> my encouragement to you is find a way to work that into any application. Yeah. Get silly with it. Just get silly with it. Just just find a way to work Frank and Gerard kissing on stage into anything you're writing or doing, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether it is relevant. (laughs) Why not? Absolutely. That's my call to action. That's great. Um, No, yeah. So I did get into grad school. Um, I applied to two schools in Scotland. Um, The University of Edinburgh and the University of Glasgow. I don't know if I'm going to go, but maybe I will. So. (laughs) Could be cool. So it could be cool. Um, But yeah. Um, we're gonna see Gex soon. Yeah. 
That was my thing. You took it. Sorry. Damn it. That's all right. Well, we are. <laughs> I know. We're going to see guests soon, which will be really fun. fun. I've seen them once before. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to come to that show and fucked up your hip. I fucked up my back. That was my back injury. Yeah. Day. I know. Um, LOL. But the now, two of us. Redemption. <laughs> redemption. <laughs> Literally. Don't be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I'm taking way better care of my back now. That's good. We're good. Yeah. 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 Um, so we're going to see Gex. We're going to Copenhagen tomorrow. Yeah. For a little trip. Yeah. Which will be fun. A little excursion. A little excursion. Mm-hmm. I was I studied in Copenhagen for like four months, so I'm stoked to go back. Oh, I got really good at GeoGuessr. <laughs> Does anyone play GeoGuessr? That's what's going on for me. Is That's that I'm so funny. really fucking good at GeoGuessr. I love it. Um, if you haven't tried it, you should try it because it's so fun. <laughs> um, and what else? Oh, I'm starting to read again. Big where news. where Marin is getting into grad school, I am like recovering from grad school. Yeah. And then I was so I was I don't know if I've talked about this extensively. I was in a PhD program. Um, immediately out of undergrad, um, and it made me so miserable and yeah. so sad. And from inside it, I did not recognize how very bad my mental health was, um, and left it. It's one of the things that I'm really proud of that I've done in my life um, was leaving something that I didn't enjoy. Um, but now I feel like reading the Haraway and reading the Butler. Yeah. Like, I feel so much healthier approaching these tests. That's so great. Like, it has gotten so much better for me, and I'm reading for fun again, and, like... Crazy, you can just read a book. You can just read a book. Hey, here's another thing. You don't have to go to grad school. You literally don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You can you do don't. all of these things, like... But if you do want to go, you can write about Frank Iero and Jerome Kissing. Yeah. The world is your oyster, so. is the thing. Yeah. Um, you can also just write about that online, and we will see it. We, we will have see seen it. it. We've just seen and it. it's great. Or you can just, like, start a podcast with your friends. Or you can just, like, start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, anyway. So I guess our ultimate conclusion for this episode is, oh my god, what if we just, like, what if it wasn't black and white? Oh my god, what if there's nuance? Is, oh my god, what? is there, is, hold on. Is there nuance here? And then there is. And then there is. Unfortunately. Sorry, um, guys. Nothing is real. Everything is real. And that's great and also terrible. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, it's the human condition, baby. The human condition. The human just condition, keep, baby. Uh, keep on going. Um, keep it going. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this podcast. Yeah. Coming up, we have, I don't know, so we have some episodes on illness at some point. Yeah, we'll do illness, danger days. Danger days. We mm-hmm. are going, I promise you guys, we know that danger days exist and is an album. Yeah. And we, <laughs> and we will talk we about will it talk too. We will talk about it. Um, we're going to talk about illness. We're going to talk about danger days. We had some requests for hesitant angels. aliens. Angels. Oh. Angels. When are we doing angels? <laughs> we're going to watch <laughs> slash when are we doing angels? angels in America and talk about AIDS also. We can, I think we might combine that oh, and illness. Smart. You know? Um, so we can do that. And then, I don't know, we'll talk about um, well, someone said hour-long ep dissecting millions when, and I want you guys to know we have thought about it. Thought about it. It might not be a full episode, but like it could oh, be a half, half an episode. Like a little, yeah, half Should episode. we do a little, a little flirty twenty-minute ep? A little flirty twenty-minute ep. Yes, I love it. I think we should. I don't know if we can talk about something for only twenty minutes, but I we will not be able to. We will not be able to. Okay, maybe we should do a fun little bonus ep for you guys. That's fun on millions. I love it. Um, you will have to come in knowing what to expect. And not call us crazy. Yep. Um, <laughs> just if know. you've made it this far in the podcast, you know, you know, you know what's happening. Um, somebody mentioned an episode on emo porn. Oh yeah, and that like so burning cool. angel and yes. stuff, which yes. we might talk about. That mm-hmm. could be another short app that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
somebody said Jordway's hesitant alien is a big sparkly Viking funeral for masculinity. Do you have any thoughts? Or we do. Yes. Um, and first of all, it's such a sexy. What an incredible sentence you put together. I love the way you strung those words together. Um, and we will talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a thought we've had, so don't you worry. Um, anyway, we got lots of stuff coming up. You guys keep bringing up really incredible things, and we mm-hmm. just get more and more excited to talk about them. So keep sending your information in. Keep Absolutely. sending your questions. Keep sending your thoughts. It's been so, so fun to talk about them and engage with them, and it's so much fun having discourse with you guys. Yeah. You guys it. are great people and smart people and, like, have so much to say, and it's been so much fun. Hell yes. Absolutely. Um yeah thank you guys thank you so much for listening yeah thank you thank you thank you like this is so cool that we just decided to do this and so many people are excited about it like it makes us so happy i know we say it every week but it's because we are genuinely stoked about it yeah yeah um okay so where can you find us hey you can find us on the internet um if you type into your (laughs) web browser (laughs) www.honeythispodcast.tumblr.com (laughs) <laughs> um, that's a really quick way to find us. Um, you can also find us on Instagram yep. at Honey This Podcast. Yep. Um, and on our individual blogs, mine is Boy Zone. And mine is Taste of Chaos 2005. You can send us a DM on Instagram, on Tumblr. You can or send us an email. Email at honeythispodcast or, yes, at correct. I've been talking about making a TikTok for weeks we'll see if it happens hey leave us a review we like to hear your feedback leave us a review um and i guess that's it i love you thanks for listening (gasps) oh my god hey i came here today to tell you guys i love you love you and i think we should go study (gasps) i know could you take would you like to take my class ring and put on my football jacket oh my god (laughs) i want to go to the prom with each and every one of you (laughs) i want to get you guys Little corsages. Oh my god. We could wear matching little colors and pins. It's gonna be red and black. We can kiss under the bleachers if you want, but that's not Whoa. necessary. We but can also we can also just like stare meaningfully into each other's eyes. I'll hold your hand. I want you guys to know we're holding your hands and I'm staring your meaningfully hands. into your eyes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um wow, we just created like a little ASMR portion. So that's <laughs> just for you. Um until next time. Until next time. Au revoir. Au revoir. I don't know anything to say goodbye. Adios. So um, true. Marin cancelled for <laughs> not knowing how to say goodbye. How do you say it in Dutch? Danish? Yeah. They're not Dutch? No. Well, fuck me. <laughs> you just can't cancel for not knowing the language they speak in Denmark. I don't know. Okay. <laughs>